0: with and those that you would even maybe have your children uh, babysat by them Uh, but they're still not right with God Um, and uh, Romans 2 um, let's look at verse 24 that I mentioned was quoted from Ezekiel 36 for as it is written the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you The name of God is blasphemed. When Jesus said, I am, he was claiming to be Yahweh, the Lord of the Old Testament, the I am. And it was super clear in the Gospel of John, his claims. And yet, they rejected, for the most part, the claims of Jesus and uh, blasphemed the name of, of God. And uh, the Romans are watching this. The Romans are watching the uh, crucifixion of Christ, and the name of God was blasphemed. But Christ came for that purpose, to glorify the Father's name, even though the world would blaspheme Christ and blaspheme God in the process. And here, Paul says to the Jewish people in particular, very religious people, of which he was part of before, as we have read through the book of Acts and heard his testimony several times about how adamant he was for the law of God, for the ways of God, for the name of God, and try to stamp out this sect that he thought was uh, a false religion until Jesus uh, knocked him off his horse, likely, and on his face uh, before him. So the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. So what is the solution in Ezekiel? Ezekiel is fascinating because it's a very pretty dark book, similar to Jeremiah and how much judgment is in that book. And yet there are are bright spots of Ezekiel, of which Ezekiel 36 is one of them, where what's the solution for Israel blaspheming God's name? God says, I'm going to take out this heart of stone that you have against me. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to cleanse you, and you are going to loathe your sin. You're going to look at your sin not as something to be coddled or protected or excused away. You're going to hate it when I put my Spirit within you. And we'll see God's Holy Spirit at the end of our passage today as well. So we saw last week, um, does religion lead to God. If I could guarantee that you as a, your parents, and today Father's Day, we're thinking of fathers, and your father, mother, may have as a baby, on the left side of your screen there, um, had you sprinkled, poured some water on your head, sprinkled uh, water on your head, holy water, and they think um, that by doing that you wash away original sin the sin that we get from adam and eve we'll see that sin mentioned in romans 5 um, but if I, we could guarantee that you're in god's family by putting a little water on your head as a baby i'm all for that however that's not what the bible says and the jewish people in a similar uh ceremony would would hold to circumcision you'll see circumcision throughout the new testament it was throughout the old testament Um, And you'll see it a lot in the book of Galatians, several times here in the book of uh, Romans, where um, for the male uh, children, mothers and fathers take their children, dedicate them to the Lord, uh, and this physical sign uh, that they are in God's family. Simple, right? Give me something simple to do, and I'll do it, and then I'm in God's family. I'm on my way to heaven. And then there are other Uh, parts of religion that says you have to go, and on the right side is a picture of, um, I believe it's uh, First Communion, and so uh, taking uh, Communion, uh, the Eucharist, um, and uh, many believe that that is also on the path that leads uh, to God. If it was simple as pouring uh, water on, on your head as a baby and then giving you something sacred to eat, that seems simple, right? But that's not God's plan of salvation. That is man's invention of trying to get to God without God. We can't get to God without God. We saw it in Ezekiel 36 that Israel could not hate their sin and could not, not blaspheme God's holy name without God's help and we in Romans 1 2 and 3 are all going to be guilty before god our closing song i chose it because the the last phrase of the last stanza god g- kiss a guilty world in love all the world is guilty before god that's the the logic that uh, paul is is writing here for us in Romans 1 and two, the immoral are guilty before God in Romans 1, because creation tells them that you're going against nature. You're going against your creator and how you're living. Uh, Romans 2 is saying you're trying to obey laws to try to get earn favor with God, and that's not working. You know it's not working because the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, and religion doesn't lead to God. So last week, we looked at uh, verses 17 to 20, which is people in, in all kinds of religions believe some sort of fantasy. Fantasy is a make-believe world, a world that doesn't exist except in your mind, in the mind of those that are leading this world. And this uh, fantasy goes along these lines. My religion can lead me to heaven. I can earn my way to heaven. I just have to follow the right laws that's a fantasy world it's not part of god's real world and paul's going to expose that in verses 17 to 20 we saw that last week with what i do and who i am the questions to lead from fantasy to reality if you listen to people that share the gospel well they often find out some of the lies that people are believing what they're trusting in to earn them favor with god and then they start questioning that and say Well, if you could be good enough to get to heaven, then why did Jesus have to die? That's a wonderful question that I use often. I think I used it this week on uh, Friday when God led someone uh, to talk to me. And I wasn't looking to talk to this person, but they were right across my path. Um, So, questions to lead from fantasy to reality... um, finding what someone is trusting in, Uh, if you were to stand before God and he says, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Their answer is what they're trusting in. And as we saw Spurgeon's quote the end of last week, if they're trusting in Jesus plus anything, that's not salvation. That's not the gospel. And so questions are are meant to lead from fantasy to to a reality that's based on truth and not on what I wish to be true. Private sins at the end of our time last time dishonored God, and the questions that Paul asks were were meant to expose private sins of religious people thinking they were right with God and in their private lives revealed they weren't. So verse 25 is where we'll pick up today. For circumcision, indeed, is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Now, circumcision, medically, is an irreversible procedure. But what Paul is saying here is is talking about spiritually. And if you were to imagine us talking to, instead of Jewish people, but uh, our Catholic friends, and say... Your baby baptism is as if when you break the law, you weren't actually baptized as a baby. (gasps) And they would gasp. Okay. If you were, if Paul was writing this to Jewish people and they're reading what he's writing in Romans 2, almost every verse, there's a, imagine all the Jewish people who are trusting in their works and their Judaism, imagine them all gasp. Okay. Why don't you guys all gasp right now? Yes. Okay, that's it. That's what it'll be like. Okay, so if you're reading Romans 2 to a Jewish audience who all of them are trusting in their works, and the whole place (gasps) says, that's what it'll be like. Okay, you can imagine that the weight of, of Romans 2, as Paul went on his missionary journeys from Uh, Antioch, uh, Pisidian Antioch, and Lystra, and Derbe, and Iconium, those four in particular on his first journey, where they chased him down and eventually stoned him. This was the response. They first gas, and then they started realizing what he was saying, and then they got angry, so angry that they took matters into their own hands, drug him out of the city, and stoned him. They hated what he was saying, and we have in writing likely some of what Paul said, which would have caused them to gasp. Verse 25 says, if you, if you think that circumcision will lead you, alone will lead you to heaven, like someone today thinking I was baptized as a baby in a certain church and I have a certificate, I've got a picture, I've got my parents and grandparents, I've got the little outfit maybe that they put me in, It's a value if you obey the law. It's not a replacement for the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcised. It's like when you break God's law, it doesn't matter what you did as a baby. Obeying the law of God is what God requires. Not being born in a religious family. So you may say, I grew up in church, as Brandon mentioned uh, in his um, talking in between songs, that he can never remember not praying in his home. That's the home I grew up in too. I was always in the nursery. I went from the nursery to to uh, preschool, preschool to Sunday school, Sunday school to church, junior church, vacation Bible school. If the church had it, it wasn't an option. We did it. And yet, growing up in church, even a good church like this or like, like the one I grew up in, doesn't guarantee I belong to God. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. My kids, if they're in God's family, they're in God's family, not because I'm in God's family. And I'm not in God's family because my parents were in God's family. But if you think, religion, give me something I can do to guarantee I'm on my way to heaven, and religion answers that, scratches that itch. Like, oh, yeah, we'll give you something that you can do. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? And if enough people are doing it, like we said last time, It doesn't matter how sincere people are, how organized the religion, how formal it looks, or how popular it is, like everybody's doing it. It does not matter. What matters is what God's truth is. And we have to get out of this fantasy of sincerity, organization, formalism, popular, whatever it is, that does not make us right with God. According to verse 25, obeying God's law is what he requires. Not the family that we were born into. Verse 26 continues this thought. So, if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Here's another question, but here is a question that is in the middle of reality, Here is how God wants humans who are religious to think of their religiosity. Okay, there are irreligious people, non-religious people around the world who are with their conscience, back in verse 14, 15, um, are trying to obey God's law. They're better than the... Religious people here, if the uncircumcised and the Jewish people would have looked down severely on anyone uncircumcised, that's why Paul had, um, had Timothy circumcised, because his mother was Jewish. And if he was going to minister to Jewish people, uh, he would have to um, obey uh, the Old Testament uh, law that way. But Titus not, because he wasn't Jewish. Paul didn't require that of Titus, and uh, but yet here it says in verse twenty six, will not um, his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Verse twenty seven. Then he who is physically uncircumcised must keep. Oh, but keeps the law, will condemn you, who have the written code. And circumcision but break the law you have the written code and circumcision but you break the law this sounds like jesus in matthew 12 when he said of two different people to a jewish audience they hated what he was saying okay they were gasping they were treating him just like they treated they tried to treat paul uh later he said uh there were um many uh widows in the, Paul, in the day, this he said not in Matthew 12, but another place uh, in Nazareth. There were many widows in uh, Elijah's day. But to none of them, uh, Elijah was sent, except outside to a Gentile, because she would do what God said. So by God sending Elijah during the time of famine outside of Israel... There were no widows that would do what Elijah was going to ask her to, hey, make a cake for me. Trust God that whenever you give me the first cake, I'll provide for you. And she did, and she was provided for. He also says, of all of the lepers during Elisha, the guy after Elijah, of all the lepers in Israel, none of them were lined up outside of Elisha's door asking for healing. Why? Why? Why wasn't there a line? It wasn't because there was a lack of power. It was because there was a lack of faith. There was no one in Israel that thought Elisha was actually God's servant who could help me be healed of leprosy. So their line wasn't there. Except for Naaman the Syrian. And as soon as Jesus probably said Naaman the Syrian, people were like bristled, gasped. (gasps) I can't believe he's bringing this story up, but they knew the story in Second Kings 5. They knew that they were like the Israelites of previous generations, trying with their religiosity to earn favor with God, and in the midst, having a man of God in their midst, didn't even have enough faith to send their sick people, their lepers, to be healed. Did not trust God. Why? They were full of idolatry. They went to the temple of Baal. Baal couldn't provide rain. Elijah exposed that in First Kings 18, that Baal was a false god. They were living in a fantasy world. They, had, they saw the reality that there's only one true God, and many of them turned back to God. But just another generation later, Elisha, they go back to their idols, and they are not obeying God. Oh, but they've got circumcision. At eight days, they go and take their their uh, boys and perform this surgery, and uh, privately, uh, they physically they are right with God. But verse twenty-seven says those obedient, non-religious people will condemn the religious, disobedient. So I mentioned. Uh, Jesus in Nazareth. Now, Matthew 12 is Jesus before the Jewish people, and he talks about um, the Queen of Sheba. And the Queen of Sheba comes, and it says that she will condemn, though she came from probably a 1,000 miles away. Uh, Sheba is modern-day Yemen, south of Saudi Arabia. And she travels all the way to hear Solomon's wisdom. And it sounds like she is a wise... uh, person, a group of wise people. It sounds like she has a testimony uh, when she comes to visit Solomon. And the queen of Sheba to a Jewish audience would be looked down upon, strictly Jewish. Why? Because she was Gentile. What is she doing in Jerusalem? Why does she have favor with the king? And yet, Jesus says in Matthew 12 that she is more righteous than her generation than in this generation as well. So, the obedient non-religious will condemn the religious and dissent. This is reality. It doesn't matter how many times you've sat in a pew like this. It does not make you right with God. It doesn't matter how many times my parents took me to church when I couldn't, Go on my own, and how many times they forced me to go to church in my elementary and teen years, that does not make me right with God. It also is for those who are not religious now, like I haven't been in church in years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you weren't baptized as a baby. You can't go back there and do it. You can't go back and be a baby again. It doesn't matter. Because being right with God does not mean following a certain religion. Verse 28. For no one is a Jew, is Jewish, who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. <laughs> okay. A huge gasp again. Like, this is a Jewish audience that, that Paul is trying to connect with, and maybe uh, the, the Christians who are trying to witness to Jewish people, their, their family and friends. And again, he says something that is unbelievable to them, so offensive that they would gasp and say, what are you out of your mind, Paul? Where did you come up with this stuff? The Holy Spirit of God is inspiring Paul to write this to help religious people to come to this reality. God must transform me. My religion cannot. It doesn't matter what the religion is, it doesn't matter what the list of rules that you've done. Your good works cannot transform you so paul says here in verse 28 no one is a jew who is merely one outwardly well the jewish people kept records and if you look at chronicles and other places there are lists of families that you could probably trace and paul was able to trace his lineage back to the tribe of benjamin benjamin lives over 16 17 1800 years before paul and paul's able to to trace his lineage to that tribe almost wiped out tribe we're glad it wasn't wiped out because paul wouldn't exist unbelievable the lineage and other strictly jewish people could trace their lineage back and say i'm from this tribe i'm from that tribe whoa Why? Because Jewishness was extremely important to someone who was chosen as God's people. And yet, to be Jewish wasn't to be right with God. It is very clear in this passage. To be Jewish, to perform this ceremony on your eight-day-old boys is not enough. Because Jewishness is not one is not in God's family. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about Jewish here. You're not merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision just, outward, physical, done. Okay, we can live how we want. This is not it. So God knows. God expects faithfulness to him from within, not just outward. Verse 29a, the first part also uh, Clarifies this as well. But a Jew is one inwardly. So if you're wondering, okay, (laughs) you're here listening to Paul and you're like, okay, so how do I be a Jew inwardly if I'm not a Jew outwardly? Anybody have any ideas? (laughs) No, there's no ideas. What Paul is doing here is trying to get everyone to realize you cannot transform you. You cannot lead you to heaven. You cannot be right with God with any religion, even Judaism. You have to be right with God, not externally. And the pictures I showed you last week, and this week, and three weeks ago, all of them were formal, they looked good. They said what was written for generations and tradition upon tradition, and very sincere, very organized, very popular. But God is not in baby baptisms, God is not in First Communions, God is not in a Mass. I don't care if the bell rings. He doesn't come. God is not in the formal dress and the traditions that have been passed down for hundreds of years. God is not in other religions and their attempt to earn favor with God by obeying rules. God is not in those either. God is not in your religion if your religion is, I am right with God because I attend Grace Bible Church. I sing the songs. I put money in the back. I smile. I get coffee. I talk to people. You're not right with God because you come here. You're only right with God if God transforms you. Let's look at the last part of verse 29. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. There's not a medical procedure where part of your heart is opened and you take part of it off. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about spiritually right with God. Where God performs heart surgery And that we can't be faithful to him. As Israel and Ezekiel, this is why I believe Ezekiel 36 was quoted. Because for the sake of God's name, he reaches out and rescues his Jewish uh, chosen people. And he realizes as, as much as they have tried, as organized as they were, they've got the temple, they've got sacrifices, they've got priests, they've got tribal leaders, And still, all of this isn't making them right with God. God says, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Capital S, Spirit, in Ezekiel 36, 27. I'm going to put my spirit within you, and then, and only then, can you obey me. You can try and try and try and invent religions, to try to please God. And if you reject the Word of God, you reject the plan of God, and you reject the Son of God, and you reject the Spirit of God, you will not be transformed. You will be stuck in your religious good works, a hamster on a wheel, a lot of energy and going nowhere. And get off frustrated. Like, what was the point of that? Verse 29 concludes, Circumcision is a matter of the heart. Who circumcises the heart? It is not a doctor that can do this. It is the Spirit of God that does this. Not by the letter, not by keeping a written code, as we heard earlier, not by obeying all of the right things, not by being at the right place at the right time every Sunday and singing all the right words and giving money and smiling and fellowshipping and leaving. You have to be transformed. It's a matter of the heart. It's done by the Spirit of God. You cannot do this for yourself. You cannot go to a priest. You cannot go to a church. Please don't ask me. I can't circumcise your heart. I won't try. God must transform you from within. When God transforms you by His Spirit, Your heart is different. You have a new heart. You are born again. We'll see later. His praise. This person who is now right with God because the Spirit performed heart surgery, spiritually speaking. He's alive on the inside. Then his praise is not from man, but from God. Why do you think he closes with that that part of a sentence. If you are Jewish in Paul's day and religious, you would look like Catholic formal priests look today. Very well dressed, very well respected. Everybody can tell just by what you're wearing, you're a priest. The chief priests, the Pharisees dressed a certain way, long robes, Um, marketplace, had a lot of people interacting with them in the marketplace, and they were well respected uh, visibly, outwardly. It was obvious these guys are religious leaders, yet they're not right with God unless the Holy Spirit has given them a new heart, lives within. And when you live for religion, All those who are following that religion call you by titles that make you feel good. Father, Monsignor, there's other titles, Bishop, Archbishop, Pope, etc. Deacons. So those titles give you some praise. Praise from men. Every religion has titles for their leaders as well. And those titles are praise from men. And when you have praise from men and merely praise from men and merely outward show of religion, you're not right with God because God hasn't transformed your heart. Your praise is merely from men, but it's not from God. But this verse doesn't, isn't negative, it's positive. When the Holy Spirit transforms you from within, you can go back and look at Ezekiel 36 to see more of what he says about repentance of sin and trusting in God and the the transformation that happens because we read Ezekiel 36 because of how thorough it was uh, for uh, the Jewish people to come back to God. God would require, God would act in giving his spirit to transform them. Then praise would be from God. So you can live your whole life, and the world hates you. The world hated Jesus. The world hated Paul. The world hated John and James and all the apostles. The world hated, hates all faithful Christians. Everyone who's transformed from within, the world hates you. Jesus said, don't be surprised when the world hates you. It hated me. If you're a follower of me, the world's going to hate you. The world hates our idea of marriage. The world hates our submission to this book for everything in life. The world hates that. They say, why can't you fudge a little bit? We can't. It's in writing. It's clear. It's not up for debate. And we're not trying to be mean about it. We're just trying to be clear and truth. We can't live in a fantasy world and think we can be right with God. The only way to be right with God is to live in the real world. And the real world says all of us are sinners. We all need to be transformed from within. And when we are transformed from within, Ezekiel 36 says, you will loathe your sin. You will loathe your religiosity, your good works, is now looked at as what? Filthy rags. Disgusting. Why? Because the reality is God transformed me. And Ezekiel also said this when God transforms, who gets glory? We don't get glory from transforming ourselves. God's name is glorified. That's the point of our salvation, too when we are transformed from within and the Holy Spirit performs heart surgery and now we can sing, be unto your name. And we don't care what people think about us. We don't care that the world hates us and doesn't want Jesus our Savior. It doesn't matter. We're living for his name. (laughs) We're rescued. We're on our way to heaven. And no one can take that away from us, we'll see in Romans 8 security, unity, joy, and love. Why does God do this? Because He loves us. What does God expect? According to the end of this passage, God expects faithfulness to Him from within. I'm reiterating what uh, verses 28 and 29 say. God expects us to be faithful to Him, obedient to Him from within, not merely outwardly. To desire to be faithful to God, comes from within. To love God comes from within. Faithfulness to God is a matter of the heart. God expects unfaithful religious people to really realize they need His Spirit. I see religious people on the hamster wheel trying, trying, trying. Maybe I got to go faster, 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 faster. It doesn't matter how fast the hamster goes. It's not making any progress. Well, it's maybe getting in shape okay, or staying in shape. But it's not going anywhere. You get on a treadmill. Sorry to discourage you if you like a treadmill. But you get on a treadmill. You don't go anywhere. You go healthier. I get it. But you didn't make any progress if you want to like go on a walk. Okay, around the neighborhood. Oh, Then you make progress physically. God expects unfaithful religious humans that are on this wheel of religiosity. I got to try harder, got to try harder, got to try harder, got to pray more, got to give more. To need his spirit. It's not about us and our good works, but us relying on the Holy Spirit of God because we're not changed. We're not transformed by ourselves, we're transformed by the Spirit. And then God expects us to want his praise instead of the world's. If you want the world's praise, you'll do everything you can to get it. When you realize as a junior high or teenager that I want to please my friends, wow, I really want to please my friends. And the desire to please the world is extremely strong in your junior high, teen years, and some, some adults never get over that. They want to be stars on YouTube, on, the, on a world stage. They want the world's recognition, the world's paychecks. And they may have it. They may get it if they're talented enough, if they know the right people. But God wants us to want his praise. When we're transformed from within, we will want his praise. And his praise is all we want, and we'll be content with it. Like, I don't care what the world thinks of me. You look at how Paul lived in Acts, that's how he lived. He wanted God's praise. And he didn't care what the world thought of him. And he's, that thinking, that mindset isn't just for the apostle Paul, because he was the apostle. It's for the average, everyday Christian who's transformed from within. God doesn't need spectacular Christians to change the world. He needs humble Christians. Relying on Him believers who realize, I need God's Spirit to change me. I need God's Spirit to help me obey the law. And I want to please God in this. If you were in Romans 1 through 3 and you're in Ezekiel 36, it is meant to lead the religious along with the moral and the immoral, to throw up their hands in frustration and say, I cannot do what God requires. That's right. That's a good conclusion. That's a reality statement that you have to get to. The highly religious Jewish person in Ezekiel 36 would look at God's revelation, their predicament in captivity, and realize that if they were to consistently obey God as he required, he would have to help them. And he does help them by sending his loving son. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your truth. We know that you love us because you provided everything for our salvation. Help us to trust you. Help us to hate our sin. I pray for those here today who are religious but are not right with you. They know it. Your word has convinced them they're just going through the motions, I pray that today would be the day that they cry out to you for your spirit to make them alive on the inside, and that their heart would be transformed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And we realize when that happens, as it's happened for many here, that your name, you get all the glory. It is not of us. And so we want to magnify your name with our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.